Welcome to Finding Fit, a podcast by three best friends and business partners. We're holding nothing back, and we apologize in advance. I'm your host, Angela Beeler. And I'm your host, Katherine Ballas. And I'm your host, Emily Field. So grab a cup of coffee, take a shot of whiskey, or pour your favorite glass of Prosecco. And join us for a conversation about finding your place in this crazy world. And this. Is finding fit. <laughs> that was good. That was 100% improvement, even though it was still wrong. I will say before we jump into today's conversation, we said it last episode, but I want to say it again because I do think we're actually going to get into some details that could be distressing depending on your um, history or maybe your recent history, your current situation. Um, I did want to go ahead and say this is a trigger warning for anyone who has uh, experienced any type of what you would classify as spiritual abuse. And so if that's not something that you want to listen to right now, we are giving you the most permission ever to not listen to it. (laughs) Well, and I think I also added on to this disclaimer last episode as well, that there are certain uh, common denominators that are present in all forms of abuse. And so even if you've never experienced spiritual abuse, some of the elements that we are going to be discussing might even kind of mirror Mm -hmm. if you've had sexual, physical, mental, emotional abuse in your life as well. So just to be aware of some of those parallels yeah and I will add on to both of these great pieces of advice which is again taking agency over our story this is our perspective we are aware that if we sat with the person who was part of the spiritual abuse uh, encounter that this individual may have a very different story and you as a listener may hear us share things that you disagree with our perspective or the way that we are creating the narrative around this experience. And so, like Catherine likes to say to me often, is there is a clear delineation where we end and you as a listener begin. And so our story does not have to connect to anything that you've experienced. It doesn't have to reinforce anything you've experienced. It's just our story. Yeah. So... Well, I think we need to tell our story. I think that would be a great place to start. And are um, you driving? I feel, are you driving this conversation? I think you should. I I have notes. Okay. <laughs> but I that cannot doesn't see mean, the notes between me and the computer. That doesn't so mean I have to one. drive it. I also have books with Ooh, me too. Okay. Um, Let me take a picture so that we can post I'm that on our referencing. Um, it might be helpful to to start the conversation maybe with a definition of spiritual abuse. Actually, Mm -hmm. this is a difficult thing to find via Google, (laughs) but I did find it in the book, The Subtle Power of Spiritual Abuse. Um, So spiritual abuse, according to this book, is the mistreatment of a person who is in need of help, support, Mm -hmm. or greater spiritual empowerment with the result of weakening, undermining, or decreasing that person's spiritual empowerment. Mm -hmm. So if you are in a vulnerable place and you, in essence, go to somebody for help and you leave feeling demoralized, unempowered, is that a word? Um, Disempowered, I don't know. What's the opposite of empowered? Anyway. I like them both. Okay. Uh, Undermined or weaker as a result of that interaction, that has a general broad categorization that that could have been a moment of spiritual abuse. Yeah. I was, I was going to say other words that came to mind was like debilitated or even 
more reliant mm-hmm. on something else, less, less independent, more dependent. Yeah. Um, I think like with all forms of abuse, the two major elements that come into play is, um, you know, age of maturity, mm-hmm. um, I think is huge where spiritual abuse is concerned that like what you just said, if you're in a place of seeking or if you are vulnerable or if you are new, if you have more questions and answers and you're seeking those out, um, you know, that translates to like a, a, a minor, you mm-hmm. know, or a, an underaged teenager mm-hmm. that hasn't reached a point of maturity to be able to make certain decisions for their life. But rather than being taught, it's being told. And um, yeah, I think even... I could throw around the word consent too. Well, that was one of the things that I had on here was consent is a big deal with abuse in general, but I think it's something we don't really understand with Mm -hmm. spiritual abuse. Um, But it's important to, you know, consent is the permission, a permission you're giving permission to another person or in a situation for something to happen. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times in spiritual moments, that line is very blurred. And I think that's why it's hard to navigate um, and another thing I wanted to mention was, did you have something to say? Well, I was just going to say with consent, sometimes the blur, what causes the blurriness is position. That was my next thing. Okay. Yeah. Right. And Keep that's going. what I was saying, like with maturity, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, like you're consenting to what all that, you know, but if that other person right. is in a different position that knows better, they you're can, t- they trust can that abuse the lack of maturity. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought Josh did actually a really good job of, um, depicting his, how he he is aware of the power dynamic he has with the invisible collar he wears around his neck as pastor. Mm -hmm. I think in our BS with the Bishop episode, he did a really great job of of just humbly stating that he is he's aware of that Mm -hmm. dynamic. And it is it is and can be a power dynamic. And Mm -hmm. I think um, for just to hear him say, I'm aware of that was really great. Um, and I think helpful for, for everyone. And there's a lot of layers because the power dynamic is multifold. It is that someone that you deem as an authority or an expert in a religious or a spiritual sense, that's one, that's one layer. Second layer is pastors, priests are often male. Mm -hmm. And as a woman, you know, we can often give over power control agency to men so that's a second fold. Right. And then the third fold is in some ways this individual is representing the voice of God. Mm-hmm. And so that's a third layer. Like you don't you I as a recipient of this spiritual teaching, I don't want to miss God. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we overtrust the person in that position because we feel like he has a a quicker access to what God quote unquote wants for my life. Mhm. So, and I'm sure there's other. Yeah, I was going to say another too. another layer would be if you're a person of color, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think the layers go deeper and deeper and deeper, uh, depending on even your socioeconomic background. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are are literally financially in a place of need, right? And you're at a church service, and you hear if you give ten percent, God's going to bless you, right? Well, <laughs> you know, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I I believe in tithing and I think it's, I think it's in most, well, I won't say most, my experience recently has been a positive experience, Mm -hmm. but I have been in a, um, experience where it wasn't. Mm -hmm. 
before we jump into specific example of of how this interaction played out for us, I want to spend a little bit more time on that definition because I think for our listeners, there might already be some hesitation or confusion around, well, when when is it okay to seek spiritual advice? Or if you're in a relationship where someone is kind of deemed as the mentor and one is the mentee, you know, you are learning from another individual, being able to recognize when that crosses over into abuse. And so I think the part of that definition of saying when it is, can you read that last part again? I'll just read the whole thing. Spiritual abuse is a mistreatment of a person who is in need of help, support, or greater spiritual empowerment with the result of weakening, undermining, or decreasing that person's spiritual empowerment. Yes. With the result of decreasing that person's empowerment. It is okay to be in a relationship where you are seeking growth in your spiritual life when that other person is helping you is empowering you is helping you seek and and listen to the voice of God on your own, not just coming from that source. So when that person becomes the sole source and, and creates a dynamic to where you have to keep coming back to that person in order to get permission, make decisions, et cetera, that is now an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. I think what's important to know about this conversation is that yes, we left feeling demoralized, disempowered, weak, um, shamed, taken from, Uh I think, I think we all left feeling taken from. So I, I, I am comfortable categorizing this moment we shared together as in a, a spiritual abusive yeah. Encounter that we all experience differently. Well, for sure, because the three of us experienced it at the same time and all walked away with the same thoughts and feelings and emotions. Yes. Mm-hmm. So whereas a, a unique individual experience, you know, you might kind of have people say, well, I wouldn't necessarily say right. the three of us experienced it at the same time together and walked away. So I think there's nothing to call it other than spiritual abuse. Mm-hmm. And do you want to say, Catherine, um, we're not going to say his name. Oh, yes. His, we have, we're going to call him Bon Guava. Bon Guava. Bon Guava. Bon Guava, because it's not a name and I made it up. <laughs> yeah. So. It's like Bon Voyage and fruit. A and like, fruit. did you want some guava? <laughs> so, okay. So just to give Wait, you. Wait, is guava a fruit? Yes. Okay. Sorry. We're not, <laughs> okay. Can't, sorry. Can't it's still a fruit. Okay. Papaya. It was last week. And it's still <laughs> a fruit. Is it still a fruit? <laughs> well, I was thinking guava juice. Do uh-huh. you eat guava mm-hmm. or guava juice? Drink guava juice. Oh, Lord. Be not far <laughs> away. Guava. Guava is a fruit, is a common tropical fruit cultivated in many tropical and subtropical regions. Okay. Specifically, Mexico, Central America, the Caribbean, and Northern South America. Got it. Okay. Maybe, Glad maybe we cleared on. that up. So, Bon Guava. Bon so, Guava. some background uh, is that this was probably four or five years ago. Um, we were attending a a business event for a potential partner that um, we had started developing relationship with. Mm-hmm. In this company hosted and a kickoff event for their employees they had hundreds of employees who had just been hired or were 
current staff members. And so this was their kickoff event. They brought us, me, Catherine, and Emily in. We led their employees in like warm up, fun, hype, dancing type things. And then they wanted us to potentially partner with them for future experiences where we would bring refit mm-hmm. into their company, into their business for the public to engage in. And that right. is intentionally vague. And I do, okay, so then the other part of this story that I think is important is the CEO of the company was present and the CEO had hired, for lack of a better word, a spiritual, cultural mentor. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a con- he brought this consultant in. He was like, like a spiritual consultant, almost like a staff pastor. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the company was founded on some some biblical principles. It was overtly Christian. Yeah. Like you could go to their website and, right. and see that there were Christian values and mm-hmm. even scripture. Yeah. And so he kind of operated as whose staff could go to one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Executive he staff. Would, uh-huh. And yeah. who would kind of lead uh, lead the culture development. Yeah. Create the, the culture. Yeah. And I would say that's probably how we got tapped for the potential partnership is that at their place of businesses, their their businesses, they used a lot of Christian music, but then they just use like positive positive valued music. And mm-hmm. so we were doing kind of the same thing. And yeah. so I think that's where we got on their radar. So anyway, this Bon Guava uh, was hired to be cultural development person and spiritual guidance yeah, counselor. Definitely a consultant uh, that had the ear of the CEO. CEO, mm-hmm. and so I don't remember exact. I remember where I was in the location. I know how we first met him. Yeah, it, yeah. in pa- in passing. Right? Yeah. No, we were, the three of us were sitting. Oh, yes. We were waiting to be called up on stage. And the CEO or the girl, I can't remember, our, our connection point came up to us and said, I want you guys to meet someone because I think y'all will have a pretty instant connection. And, and he wants to meet you too. He's very interested in the line of work you guys are in. And so I want, I want to bring him over and I want y'all to meet him. And he came over. Mm-hmm. And I distinctively remember when he came over, we were seated in these like auditorium chairs and he immediately knelt down. Mm-hmm. And so he was knee to knee with us and he was so engaging. Mm-hmm. I think he might have even like touched my knee or not again. I didn't, I didn't, at the time, but it was kind of like, oh, dad. Yeah, he was yeah. older. I mean, he was, he had grown children, maybe even grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was so, I, I don't remember specifically what he said, but, you know, he introduced himself, kind of told us a little bit about what he did, um, said that he was so interested in our business mm-hmm. and that he was just really proud of us and uh, the little he knew about us, he was very intrigued by, you know, what our path was and where we saw ourselves growing and expanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at that time is when he said, I would love to meet with you guys. Mm-hmm. At a, it didn't at the time sound like he meant that day or that moment, but he was like, I would just love to connect with you guys where I can hear more about your business and what your plans are mm-hmm. and just get to know you guys one-on-one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I concur with that of 
everything was focused on an interest in the business. He wanted to know our business model, how we got started, what our future plans were for the business. And because he had had a lot of experience with different types of business, he was, it felt alluding to him offering his services and expertise to and help how us he could help expand with our refit. business. Mm-hmm. And Catherine or Emily, maybe y'all know, I also remember that when he talked to us in that moment, he quoted scripture, but it was so casual. It was like, hey guys, you know, I just, I love the business that I'm in and I love the business that you guys are in. Cause you know, in Philippians 4.13, it says, blah, 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 blah. I, that's not the, that's not the scripture um, he shared. Uh-huh. But I just remember he, it just rolled off his tongue so easily and was woven into the conversation. So he, uh, he was an authority wisdom from yeah. the get go. Mm-hmm. Eloquent, yeah. well-spoken, yeah. gray headed, like, attractive, attractive, mm-hmm. put together, mm-hmm. spiritual, fatherly, fatherly mm-hmm. guide. So authority. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember after that, when, he someone came up to me because I remember where I was and said Bond wants to meet with you now and I remember just being really nervous like my stomach dropped because I was like oh this could be a potential like partnership like Mm -hmm. he's really interested in our business just like what you were saying Emily like oh I hope we have like our stuff together do I need to like figure out our like demographics like you know like (laughs) I was like that's where my headspace was so let me pause and say this Five or six years ago, or whenever this time frame was, we had really essentially kind of just started Refit and we were trying to grow it. We were experiencing some moderate growth, but mm-hmm. we also were still very, very green as business yeah, owners. Still Refit, are. <laughs> yeah, Refit had been established for a couple of years, but we were brand new. If, if we hadn't just launched the instructor training, we were still like under 300 instructors, you know, like that, that portion of our growth was still very, very new. Yes. And so to say that we were both hungry and hopeful for Mm -hmm. partnerships or mentorship or advice would be accurate. We weren't desperate, but I think we were naive. And I think that what had gotten us to that point um, from a hometown hobby to a formidable business and launching refit was that we said yes to so many, anything, everything. Mm -hmm. We said yes to everything. And so it was part of our DNA at the time to say yes, to say yes and to explore. And I felt the same thing, Catherine, after Bob left with that initial meeting, I had like butterflies Mm because I was like, this might be it. Like Mm -hmm. this might be, the person or the moment where we really get a hand up mm-hmm. and and get pulled up into a, a different realm or a different spectrum of our business. Mm-hmm. But to your point, Catherine, I think I remember what you're saying. You got up at some point. Mm-hmm. I think it was after we had gone on stage. We had mm-hmm. already done our yep. little like warm up with the crowd and you had gone to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And when you came back, you said, Bon Guava wants to meet with us today like after like after this this session yeah after he's done talking right and i think we were all excited Mm -hmm. we thought that sounded like a great idea so fast forward to us meeting with him which i do want to set the scenario for that because i think it's weird now that i think about it um for sure we were at 
a high school, right? This My that's old high school. Your old high we school. Were, it, all my worlds were colliding. I was sitting like at the cafeteria table that I sat at. That's right. Mm. This senior this event must have was been the held. Lord. <laughs> or, you know, like the parrot reading or the tarot. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, the falcon reading, <laughs> the old vulture. I got a blue jay reading. Those I don't know about you. Vulture cards. Yeah. Tarot <laughs> cards. Tarot cards. Yeah. I'll be jumping ahead of the story, but I mentioned this is the high school I went to and I told them a little bit about mm-hmm. high school that kind of, you know, yeah. led into, I kind of fed him some information that he then turned around and used against me but yeah so the event was at emily's high school which if you're not from uh waco texas emily's high school is huge it's it's one of if not the Mm -hmm. largest high school in the area so everything about your high school the auditorium the stage it was huge big nice Mm -hmm. um and so when we went to meet bon guava we went to the lunchroom like Mm -hmm. emily said and when we walked in it looked like because this is in the summer mm-hmm. uh-huh. um, or at the beginning of summer. And so it looked like a cafeteria that had been closed down for summer break. The lights weren't on. It was just sunlight from the window. And all the chairs and stuff were like up. Were up. But he sat alone in this kind of dark closed down cafeteria and he sat at a table waiting for us. Mm-hmm. So it was Again, it's so hard because in the moment, it didn't... It was like, w- oh, well, we're at a school. You can't go into a classroom. Yeah. Where else would you sit? Okay, this isn't weird. Yeah. So we sat down. Why is the cafeteria weird to you? Catherine's it's just asking. a really... <laughs> Catherine's like, why is the cafeteria weird to you? It's a big space and it's desolate. Like there wasn't anyone and else alone. around. Like we could have met in yes. a hallway where there would have been other, other people. people. Okay. But Tracking. we were totally. I'm stuck on the like the no, cafeteria. No, no, it's good that you like, asked because it's a maybe. Fine, it's okay that we were yeah. in a cafeteria. <laughs> yeah, but maybe other people had it the was same just, question. It, we it, were it, taken away from the yes. group and brought to a, right, right, an right. isolated place. Yes, yes. because I also know the yes. layout of the school. We went down. Lots of Down halls. a hallway, took a right, and kept going down the hallway. Well, like, the Performance Arts Center and the cafeteria are not close to each other. And Emily, let's make this point. Bon Guava does not live here. He does not go to school there. So he, like he, had to go, he had to go find a location for this to happen. Yeah, away. So, so we sit. I'm getting hot. I, I, know. I know. I might not be able to not confront him or say his name. Okay. <laughs> well, that's fun. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we sit down and I do, you know, what's interesting about abuse of moments you do remember very strange details yes um and so i think that's maybe part of your recall recalling the cafeteria like mm-hmm. maybe your spidey Smells. your spidey sense was already going this isn't okay that we're walking mm-hmm. into this faraway place together yeah and i, I do want to talk about that because again what is going to be hard for the listener to understand because it's the question my husband asked over and over and over when i told him this story is why did you say yes why did you go there why did you do that and the thing is is that in that moment my spidey sense wasn't telling me anything also we just thought we were going to have a business meeting <laughs> so you know right. like yeah. yes yeah, so I don't know about y'all, but the way that my brain can operate sometimes is I can be thinking about a lot of different things at the same time. So Mm -hmm. even while I'm walking down the hall, 
subconsciously following this person, in that moment, I wasn't thinking, I'm walking, oh, this feels kind of dark. Oh, I wonder where he's going. Right, in my mind, I'm thinking about what conversation we're about to have. So I think we were all a little bit, you know, you talked about nervous tummy, We're distracted. Our minds are preoccupied Mm -hmm. with a different agenda. Yes. I'm not looking for trouble. I'm not looking for... Yeah, you know who else isn't looking for those things? Lambs being led to slaughter. (laughs) Well, isn't that the truth? (laughs) They're just grazing along. So So we go and sit down, and Bon Guava is at the table. I I don't personally remember his formal introduction. I remember his yellow notepad. Mm -hmm. Yep. That is the thing that stuck out to me the most, was his yellow notepad. So I... I remember him saying something along the lines of like, I'm going to ask questions. Yeah. That's what I heard him say. I'm going to ask you some questions. And I'm going to let the Lord lead the conversation where he wants to lead it. I remember saying him saying that and then him telling us that he was going to take notes and mm-hmm. that sometimes he doodles or draws because the Holy Spirit is like working in him. So I think he started with me. He did. And just positionally again to give a graphic image to our listeners. He is on one side of the table. Catherine and I and Emily are sitting across from him on the other side of the table. It's Catherine on the left hand side, me in the middle, Emily on the right. Mm-hmm. So he starts asking like, hey, tell me about how you... Uh, he asked for your testimony. My, yeah, tell me how you came to know, come to know the Lord. And so I being the great Christian that I am, know how to tell well that story. Oh, yeah. I'm like, let me give you what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, da, 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 da. Didn't grow up in a, you know, what you would call a Christian home. I would say it was a spiritual home, but to Bon Guava, definitely not a Christian enough home. Um, you know, I encountered God here and there that uh, y'all heard the story last week. So. Yeah, so you gave him some specific details. And I remember... You shared some um, some of the experiences, maybe like the discipleship school that you went to. Or yes, through. I gave him my credentials. Yeah, you gave him your yes, yes. Mm-hmm. But I do want to pause. In my and first say, rodeo, Guava. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. What I want to try to do as we unfold the story is not retrospectively impose thoughts and feelings that we have now that weren't present then. Yeah. So I. I don't know, do, do you, in that moment when he said, hey, could you just share how did you come to know the Lord or whatever it was, do you remember feeling in that moment like you needed to prove yourself, like you were going to share the best parts of your story? Or I do remember thinking to myself, I think I know what he wants to hear. Okay. And so, and I needed him to know that I... I saw him Mm -hmm. like I I see what I think I see what you're trying to do here a little bit I wasn't you know I'm an inch into the water yeah but like hey I I speak your language a little bit so like like back up well Mm -hmm. because of your discipleship discipleship training you probably recognized maybe some uh methodology that he was using with you so you gave him your best here's how I know Jesus answer mm-hmm. you recognize some of the discipleship techniques that he was starting with and so you knew how to quote unquote play the game and I also I think I remember you like quoting scripture to him and the reason why that was memorable for me is because already 
in that scenario, when his first question to you was, how do you know Jesus or how, how did you come to know the Lord? I realized in that instant, in that moment, that first question, that this was not just a business, business. interaction. Mm-hmm. And so I was paying attention because in this situation, a male in front of me and a spiritual male authority in front of me, that's where I like lose any sense because I don't know what to do mm-hmm. in those situations. In situations, not being raised in a church, like I look to other people to see, oh, here's what you say, here's how you pray, here's here's what mm-hmm. you quote, here's you know whatever. So I do remember maybe you quoted scripture him, and I don't feel like he asked you many other questions other than he asked about your parents. Yes, I think I passed his test, mm-hmm. and I was trying to. Mm-hmm. I think there was a part of me that was, I actually know there was a part of me that was giving him what he needed to go away. But the question after you explained the following questions, which we can't remember specifically felt, um, they felt already with you. They felt deeper than what they should be. He asked about your parents, their, their spiritual upbringing kind of, you know, how my dynamic with them, my relationship with them. Do you have a good relationship with them? with them? Yeah. Yes. And I think you may have, I don't think you told him too much about it, but I just remember that the question asking with you was the shortest of the three mm-hmm. of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he felt good about your salvation. Mm-hmm. So glad. And so then he moved from you to, to Emily. Emily. Mm-hmm. And this is where the train wreck we we didn't know we were on came into full light that we were on a train wreck and none of us knew how to stop it. So Emily, you you tell us what you remember. Well, I'm actually going to need to rely on y'all's recalling a little bit on some specific question asking. I know what I walked away with, but I don't recall how I got there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember... It's, it's interesting. I'm glad we were all three together because I, I can remember y'all. Same. Yeah, same. Really well. I think when you're in the hot seat, it's a little like a blur. Right. But I do remember him just being like, hey, tell me a little bit about you and are you married? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you were clearly the youngest right. of us. Mm-hmm. And so he really honed in on your relationship. Yes. Well, he started with um, your testimony and you did a great job because I remember you talking <laughs> about little girl. I grew up in the church. Yeah. Yeah. But I think where I was present day at that, at that point was I was in a little bit of a stubborn phase mm-hmm. with uh, church and just wanting to establish my own and not just following suit and doing what I'd always done. And, you know, Tommy and I were, Gosh, within the first five years of, of marriage, mm-hmm. still what you would classify as newlyweds, we didn't really have a, a dedicated church home. Mm-hmm. We were traveling with baseball all the time. And so yeah. we'd, you know, turn on YouTube pastors, you know, if we wanted to listen to a sermon. So I do know that he had that bit to clamp down on, mm-hmm. that I was in a little bit of a um, lily pad, mm-hmm. you know, um, on an island away. <laughs> a little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. And whenever I did give him the information about what my husband did, he had an immediate connection to make because his son, his son also played also. ball. Mm-hmm. I remember very vividly two questions that he asked you. And again, he would ask the one question, which 
didn't seem super intrusive and because like, he, had, he had already answered surface yeah, yeah he had already asked Catherine the same question we knew we were all going to share our testimonies because right. we, he started that with Catherine. but immediately after you shared your testimony he did key in on tommy mm-hmm. and he said how long have you guys been together are you married and what is his spiritual yes formation he, yeah no, that wow that would have been a nice way of asking <laughs> it he said you know what it, what's his story what's his walk with the lord like yeah and i remember you emily being very honest and you know because tommy came to know jesus on his own when he was 21 yes and we were like 24 right yeah quote unquote later in life whatever that means Mm -hmm. um and so as you shared that not that i felt like you were defending tommy Mm -hmm. but i felt you defending tommy to him Positionally in our marriage. Yes. And so I already didn't like how you were recalibrating uh-huh. your answer to Bon Guava to make a story seem better than what it was. Yeah. You don't do that normally. Uh-huh. You, Tommy's testimony is something that you guys celebrate. Mm-hmm. But in this moment, I remember hearing you talk about it as though you were trying to prove something for Tommy. Yeah. Because then he brought up his concern that I was the spiritual leader of the family. He asked you, mm-hmm. who is who makes the decisions in your family? Mm-hmm. That's what he said. Mm-hmm. And I think he, he even may have asked the question, like who pays the bills? Or maybe you offered that mm-hmm. when you were saying like, well, I have to do the budget and I, I pay the bills because he's playing he's traveling baseball. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so he sort of said to you, so you, you're the decision maker in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and but our, it was, he said it in a way of, It was derogatory. Wrong. It right. was derogatory. Yeah. It wasn't, oh, so you're, you're the decision maker. It was, mm, so, so you're the decision right. maker. Right, right, He made, he, he switched something inside of me that momentarily made me feel resentful and against my husband, mm-hmm. which I did not invite yeah. and didn't ask him to weigh in on. And then I remember this question and we don't have to dive into it too deeply, but no. he point blank said, were you and your husband intimate before marriage? Mm-hmm. Which, let's pause. No one, yeah. Let's yeah. pause on that. What it, the hell? <laughs> <laughs> like, why do you get to ask that? Yeah. And this was probably question three or four. And that is the moment that I said, I put my hand on your shoulder and I said, Emily, you don't have to answer that. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the, that, that moment. Mm-hmm. I, the, <laughs> I still don't, I don't even have words for it. I just knew what I watched you do, what I watched him do, not you do, what Mm -hmm. I watched him do to you is defend yourself Mm -hmm. and your husband and your decisions and your marriage. And so when he asked that question, it, it felt, and it was way too intimate and he had no right to ask that. So at the risk of being the rebellious girl in the group, I was like, Emily, you don't have to answer that. Yeah. Because I think you had already started to tear up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You it was too crying. invasive. It was, yeah, again, back to, I, I did not give him permission mm-hmm. to know me mm-hmm. like that. And regardless of what the answer was or wasn't, you know? Yeah. It wasn't his business. It wasn't his place. And for him to even feel like he had any position to even have the boldness to ask the question. Right. Well, and I think what was so hard in that moment 
outside looking in, not being in your head, was seeing, just what Angela said, was seeing you so uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but me not knowing why, Uh but just knowing like, I mean, obviously with that question, I knew why, but prior to, I couldn't, I was like, what, what's going on here? Yeah. You know, like what, why does he, why are we talking about this? Right, right, right. And looking back, and I know we were, you know, we're trying to commit to not giving hindsight perspective, but looking back, like the, the facial expressions, like the look Mm -hmm. on his face, Mm -hmm. asking the questions, now looking back, there's such sickness around what I am placing inside of his mind is, oh yeah, now I've got her where I need her. Mm-hmm. Or ooh, okay, I've, I've hit on something. There's let's, the trap, yeah. Let's, let's go further here, mm-hmm. right. Can there I, was a maneuvering and a manipulating and he like has gotten into his real comfort zone. Yeah, he's as in the he's groove. As he's seen the person in front of him start to kind of unravel. He knew exactly what he's doing. And that is a sick relationship yeah. dynamic. And you did end up crying. I do mm-hmm. remember that. Um, yeah. Cause you don't cry often and mm-hmm. I've seen you cry maybe not with, especially not with a yeah. stranger man. Yeah. You know, that's. And so what, what I, what I remember just understanding after your session with Bon Guava is okay. I know what he's doing with Catherine. I was still under the thought of, oh, this is just what like discipleship relationships look mm-hmm. like. He, he asks this and she says this. Or maybe we're still just getting to know each yeah. other. So then we can talk about the, the business. The business part is uh-huh. coming. This yeah, because we did not talk about that at all. Yeah, mm-hmm. but after Emily's Q&A attack, Q attack, question attack, and, and you ended up crying, I, I immediately went into defense tactic, defense mode, because I knew mm-hmm. my time was coming. Right. So I had watched both of y'all. I have watched him. So I knew what my plan was when he moved on to me. Mm-hmm. But do you have any other thoughts to share about Emily? Well, I, I will say I'd love to share my internal thoughts at that moment, just f- honestly. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't know if y'all know this, but, and I'm not adding commentary, I remember feeling this feels very familiar. Mm-hmm. Like I've been here before. I've I've been in positions where I've been with someone where this has happened or it's happened to me or I don't know if I would be in his position, but I was next to someone in his position, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that was a very familiar moment for me so because it was familiar did you did you know something was wrong no I would say that and I don't want to jump ahead because I I think yeah we'll unpack when we talk talk about that but I I, there was a 20 percent of me feeling like this isn't okay Mm -hmm. but 80 percent of me going well yeah I've done this I know what happens here yeah Mm -hmm. this is part of the the process Mm mm-hmm so I do remember after watching both of you guys be attacked by Bon Guava's questions, <laughs> I made the mental note in my mind. I said to myself, tell him what he wants, get it over quickly, and then you can be done. Mm. Well, that's... <laughs> God. Let him... Give him what he wants so you can be done, mm. is what I said. Or what I told myself. And so I did. The first question about how did I come to know. I just gave it to him. I, I told him, 
the exact parts that I knew he wanted to hear. My mom wasn't a believer. I grew up, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I, you know, got saved at every, I told him all the things so he could have the parts of me that he needed to do the additional question asking that he was there to do. And I don't really remember any other questions after that. I don't know if you guys do. I know we spent some time focusing on my mom and my dad. Um, I, I remember. Oh, oh, I also even said I had an unplanned pregnancy when I was 19. Uh-huh. My boyfriend, I'm not with him. You know, just like the worst parts of my story. Uh-huh. I just said, here, take them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do remember one part where you grabbed your purse. Mm-hmm. You were crying. Mm-hmm. And you started hitting your purse because that's what you do when you cry. You grab mm-hmm. your purse and hit your and you looked at me and you said something like, Oh, I remember. I, what I don't remember is what he was asking, but I do remember that my plan didn't work. Mm-hmm. To tell him all the things didn't work because the questions he asked after were about my mom and my dad and how's your relationship with them. And I just found myself like in the attempt to tell him the things he wanted to hear, it didn't stop him. Uh There just was more that he latched onto. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, at one point I started crying. I grabbed my purse and I physically Mm -hmm. put it between. I turned around. My back was to him. And I looked at you and I said, I'm not doing this anymore. Mm -hmm. And I just cried and there was silence. And I eventually had to turn back around and finish. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, I do remember one specific thing was he was asking about, because we were traveling, doing events. Uh-huh. Yes. And oh, yeah, I remember him asking how old my girls were. He, he asked what I did, how often we traveled. And then he said, how old's your middle? I don't know why he chose her. And I told him she's seven. And he shook his head and he was like drawing his circles on his paper. And he said... I don't know. I don't know how I feel about a mom being away from her kids. He said, I don't know, mom. I don't know, mom. I don't know. I remember him going, I don't know, mom. I don't know how I feel about you being away from your, from your young children. Yeah. And he struck the nerve. That may be when I started crying. Yeah. Yeah. That was, he found it. Well, he was drawing the parallel from your relationship with your mom Uh and then trying to paint and get you to reflect on how you were a mom to your kids. Right. That was the, he drew from one pain uh-huh. and then tried to apply it present day. And yeah. And he struck oil. I mean, he was drilling deep to try to find that nerve to hit and he hit it and he found it because that's the existence in my life is always wondering if I'm ever enough for my girls. And so he hit it, started crying, turned around, looked at Catherine, said, I'm not doing this anymore. And then, you know, then turned around and continued on. So I think all that I remember after we were done, because obviously we had all three gone through his drilling for oil process, <laughs> he he did talk about some things. I mean, I think he probably quoted some scripture. And mm-hmm. uh, actually, Catherine, we need to go back because now I remember something. You know how we started it off? He asked if he could open in prayer. Yeah, he prayed. Oh, uh-huh. That's right. He yeah. said the Holy Spirit talks to him. He wanted to kick off the whole session by just inviting the Holy Spirit into the conversation and wanted to pray. So, so, so we were like, yeah, mm-hmm. we're down with that. Yeah. We love the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Santos. <laughs> so he said some parting words and he 
tidied up all that he had done and I I remember he took his notepad with him and I I remember thinking I want my paper that you have Mm, yeah I don't want you to have whatever you have written about me on that paper I would like my paper back Mm -hmm. so he takes his notebook and and this is it the lowest of low this is what makes me want to like tattoo his name somewhere where people can see he hands us his business card and he says i'm a life coach and i'm a spiritual i'm a spiritual life coach and i think you guys could benefit from my services and here's my card here's my website here are the things that i offer and i'd love for you to check it out i'd love to work with you guys and he got to have his business meeting yeah, he got yeah. to have his meeting. Mm-hmm. He got to he feel was there to, he really was, good about himself. Yeah. He was there to do business. Yeah. And so were we. <laughs> and I just, but. yeah, I just remember thinking all of that was so you could sell us your services because you do pay him for right. his mentorship. Yeah, that was like a demo. Right. That right. was like a demo of what meeting with him would be like. Mm-hmm. And, and this is your tactic. Yeah. You decimate and break apart someone's soul and psyche so that they need you to put them back together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there was no conclusion. Uh-uh. I mean, that was the thing that was there bizarre was, for me. Yes. There was no like at the end of each of us talking, oh, thanks so much for sharing that with me. Um, here's what I feel like God is really speaking to you. I hope that you feel loved by... Th- no, it just was disclose everything you can to me and here's my card. Yeah. Mm. Let me make you feel very weak, vulnerable, insecure, and unsure. And here's my product. Here's what it felt like to me. I'm going to strip you down. Yeah. Piece of clothing by piece of clothing until you are naked before me. And I'm going to walk away. Mm -hmm. Because I got to see what I wanted. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, and here's my card. If you want me to reclothe you, I'm happy to do it. But here's my card. You have to pay for that. And the three of us walked into the parking lot. I don't know if we even said words to each other as we left. And I remember for whatever reason, Catherine and I addressed you specifically, Mm -hmm. Emily. I think we felt like you were the youngest. Uh And so we needed to like help wrap this up for you in some ways. And I just remember saying to you, hey, nothing that happened in there needs to stick mm-hmm. with us moving forward. Right. And I don't know, I, I kind of vaguely remember, Catherine, maybe you prayed for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was like, I remember just feeling dirty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I felt the need to like clean myself, mm-hmm. us, mm-hmm. like anything that's like spiritually sticky on us, mm-hmm. like just needs to be washed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... Yeah, in the mid- Midway parking lot high school on a sunny day, mm-hmm. we kind of hunkered together and just said, we're not taking any of that. Nothing he said is going to sit in the soil of our soul. Right. Like we right. knew we knew something had, had transpired that we didn't invite. Mm-hmm. And we basically were collectively saying, we're, we're closing that door. So we each went our separate ways after the prayer in the midway parking lot and i remember going home to cody maybe you guys can speak to what you did with the experience we obviously talked to each other about it um but i remember going home 
And we were getting ready to go. You know, Catherine, you said earlier, like the strangest details stick Mm -hmm. out in your mind. Mm -hmm. I remember when I got home, we had to rush to go somewhere else. And so I was meeting Cody to grab the girls to go to this other place. And he's in the kitchen. And I had processed the whole way home. But kind of like in that, like I was coming off of a buzz, like not any clear uh, thoughts. Mm -hmm. Just like, okay, that just happened kind of buzz. And then when I got home, I vomited on Cody. And I remember telling him what happened. And as I'm telling the story, I'm already seeing on his face and in his posture, this lack of understanding of what just Mm -hmm. happened. And the very first question out of his mouth, which is a question to this day Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I always remind him he should never ask. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) He's every question was, why did y'all, why'd you answer the questions? Why'd you go there? Why, why'd y'all, you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to tell him that. Why'd you, why, 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 why? Mm-hmm. And so in my frustration with him, cause now I'm telling him about this hurt and he's not understanding the decisions that we were making. And I was trying to say like, I was not the only one. Like we all made the decision to say those things and you weren't there. And I said to him, I felt like I had to, because if I didn't, he was going to take what he wanted anyway. So I didn't feel like mm-hmm. I had a choice in it. And in the subsequent days, I actually, you, because Cody and I had a conversation about it, you know, where he apologized and said he, you know, should have been more understanding. And as we got to unpack it later, I shared with him, I said, it felt like I was raped. Felt like I was spiritually raped. Spiritually raped. That's the phrase that I used. And in the subsequent days, I remember you getting very angry at me. Yep. You still might be angry at me. (laughs) I'm not sure about that. I was. Um, You and I had the opportunity. We were at a a friend's house for dinner. Mm -hmm. We were at the Mills house. It was like a bunch of couples. I remember. (laughs) And we started telling the story to our hosts. And... I think it's obviously the first time get Cody heard it, like in my story in conjunction with other play by play. Yeah. Yeah. Play by Uh play. And as I was telling it, I didn't even know that that emotion was there, but you know, every time I tell the story, I kind of get teary eyed about it. And I kind of said to you in, in this group, I was mad at you. And I said, you didn't stop it. Mm. You said you didn't protect me. You didn't step in. Yeah. You didn't protect me. Like, you have the most experience with this. You should have been the one that should have said something. And you led. You know, you were first at bat. And so, so there's, yes, I didn't feel protected by, I knew that in this situation, I was at a deficit. I had no idea how to do this. I'm only used to giving up the most vulnerable parts of myself in a spiritual context because I didn't. I didn't trust that I had the foundation within me to validate my salvation. So I'm always trying to give that over to somebody else to validate for me. Mm-hmm. So, of course, with Juan Guava, you need you know, me to prove it. Um, okay. The analogy that is so vivid in my mind right now is, you know, Cappy even, even had the thought in the moment, this feels familiar and I am like <laughs> tremoring right now thinking of this, but 
you know, when someone is abused over and over, they stop recognizing the pain. Oh no, I've got another crier. <laughs> and so. Two criers. <laughs> Everybody's crying. So your brain being able to alert, mm-hmm. I, I know this. Mm-hmm. But then being with, so you think of someone who is sexually abused over and over. Mm-hmm. But if they're experiencing that with someone experiencing it for the first time, and the brand new raw virgin emotions that come with that, mm-hmm. you start to you had a perspective shift. When you left that, mm-hmm. you left it different than you had previous encounters that you had been part of. Right. Because you were experiencing it with two other people that were kind of opening mm-hmm. it for what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe for the, for the first time in a long time. So um, I need you to take that responsibility off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean. So you're saying, you're saying, M, that what Catherine experienced was part of what she had previous in, a, in a, a, te- a form of abuse she had previously experienced and become familiar with to the point that she no longer could see it as abuse or something that she needed to protect or warn us about. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Or was currently mm-hmm. experiencing elsewhere. Right. Right. So, yeah, I, I mean, I've beat myself up a lot about your... Um, that conversation we had with the at dinner like that has been something that i've been frustrated with myself about Mm -hmm. like why why didn't i say something you know like you know better i mean these are thoughts that go through my head like you didn't protect your friends like gosh you could have at least done something Mm -hmm. about it um and not that it's an excuse um but to what emily said like i was conditioned to for that to be normal yeah mm-hmm. and i seeing y'all's response if i'm going to be completely honest there was a part of me that was like god's about to move mm. Mm. emily's crying mm-hmm. angela's reacting mm-hmm. that's frightening to think about now mm-hmm. but like that is where i was yeah mm-hmm. and, like, and i can confirm because i have often joked about how church girly you were when mm-hmm. we first met. I girly, you were still in the thick of it, mm-hmm. and I can see how that you were holding out hope for the possibility of God to do a transformation because that's what you were conditioned to see mm-hmm. in each and every moment. Yeah, like I'm nauseous, like saying mm-hmm. that out loud because yeah. it. God, to be clear with y'all, <laughs> the listeners, none of that was sanctioned by god Mm -hmm. that is not how he moved Mm -hmm. and i think i um can see good from it Mm -hmm. and i'm grateful for the growth because of it but none of that was okay Mm -hmm. period well and i want to say you know again i was misplacing anger in the processing of what happened, which I think is probably part of, you know, what happens is you start blaming your victim starts to blame. You didn't protect me. Why didn't you step in? And the same expectation that I had for you, Catherine, Mm -hmm. 
the narrative that is stuck in my mind is not why didn't you protect me it's part of the story because it actually happened where i do have this moment with you where i'm like you didn't protect me here's how i felt but once that was dealt with the narrative in my mind to this day which is the reason not only for this episode but for my motivation to do this entire podcast <laughs> is <laughs> the whole damn the thing the whole damn thing is because why didn't i speak up mm-hmm. for y'all you did you told emily emily you don't have to for answer a that. moment to give her permission not to answer one question but then i became complicit in the same thing that I, in a mm. moment, tried to encourage Emily to not have to become a part of. That is not who I am. That is not who See, I am. When I have I ever been that's the person who none that's of like, us are. oh, shut up and just let him have his thing. It, it was the, it is the pinnacle of the, the least empowered thing I've ever done with my entire life. Yeah. And to your point, I get it. It makes you sick. Mm-hmm. Because if I could go back and rewind the hands of time. And it's why I understand people like, um, you know, with the, is it Brett, Brett, Cav- Cavanaugh. Brett Cavanaugh? When everybody was like, why did she come back 18 years later? Why didn't she say something? I know why. I know why. Because when you are traumatized in a moment like that, sometimes the magnitude of what happened to you is lost on the fact that you might be trying to self-protect yourself or that you don't have the experience or wisdom to understand what the heck just happened. Mm -hmm. And it's only when you get further and further from it that the anger grows to the point where you say, I am at a, I am working against myself and the integrity of my humanity or my humanness Mm -hmm. if I don't say something now. Right, Mm -hmm. right. Or when it's just too big that you have to move further away from it for that picture to become smaller so you can actually see it right. for what it was. For perspective. Mm-hmm. True and right and accurate yeah. perspective. Yeah. I yeah. think probably the the scariest point for me leaving it and going home and I just kind of yeah, went went through step by step with my mom at the kitchen table just saying like I'm not sure what just happened. Mm-hmm. I left very confused, very um unsure. And I remember her just saying, well, honey, like she kind of tilted her head and patted my back, but she wasn't sure what to say either. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's ever been in that position. Um, but I think what was scary about it was there was just enough truth woven in. Mm-hmm. Right. Intermingled with the lies that I was less sure of myself than I'd ever been mm-hmm. before, which textbook definition but it it left me um floundering and fighting Mm -hmm. within myself for it left you a long weakened undermined and decreasing your spiritual empowerment Mm -hmm. which is the definition of spiritual abuse yeah i do remember saying to us in that parking lot and maybe in some days after you know anytime that god moves the result is not shame correct Uh uh-huh that's not how he loves people. That's not really, that's not even how he corrects. Uh-huh. I don't think. If Conviction any. should feel different than shame. Yes. Yeah. And I th- you might feel shame after you feel conviction. Yes. Mm-hmm. But that's your own emotion. You're your working through your own conviction. emotions. Mm-hmm. Right, right. 
But right. God doesn't use shame to correct. I don't think that. Now, we can debate about that. If mm-hmm. anybody listening is like, yes, he does. Okay, you win. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we all felt shame. And I don't know about you, Emily, but I can say his words about me being gone from Landry and that not being what he would recommend for me as a mom, his words have haunted me from the moment he said it until now. I still think about it. Well, I yeah. don't want that for you ever. Yeah. And for you, but Emily, it does. like with it, you and Tommy. Yeah. yeah. It was a seed that got planted that takes work for mm-hmm. me not to remember what he said as though it were a prophecy that at some point I'm going to see what he meant. Mm-hmm. And well, agree. let me tell you about your kids. <laughs> They're great. And They're Emery nice could be ra- raising herself. She actually doesn't need you and Cody. So like, <laughs> like well, you're- I tell you what, what pisses me off, you know, again, along the same lines was if, if this had happened to my girls, I would hope that anything I've taught them would empower them to in the moment say, back off, get away from the table. I'm not answering that question. What qualifies you to ask these questions? Mm -hmm. Emily, you're not saying another word. Catherine, we're out of here. Let's go. Bon guava. Good, good riddance. Have a great life. Right. That's what Uh you would tell them. Yes. Yeah. I think what's, as I was kind of researching and rereading some of the, the books that I've read, um, what's so hard for, for me and how I was conditioned. And maybe we can talk about this with someone else sometime. Maybe Josh would be a great person to interview just because I'm sure he has dealt with many, a a lay person who has struggled with Uh feeling spiritually, spiritually abused. But there are these concepts like, unspoken rules within churches or communities like don't agree with the church authorities especially the pastor or your loyalty will be suspect oh if you don't agree yeah sorry if you don't agree agree, so you're not allowed to you're not allowed to disagree right or the can't talk rule noticing a problem and speaking up is a sign of of disloyalty so for me in that moment that cultural impression on my life I, I carried that into that conversation with y'all. Mm-hmm. Don't say anything. Don't, don't, uh, you can't object to this spiritual authority because if you do, you're, you're, diso- not, you're disobedient. Or you might miss God. No, you're gonna miss God. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the most damaging books I've ever read is a book called Spiritual Authority. And it was required in the discipleship school I was in. Mm. And come to find out it was like, translated from china like this pastor in china they like took his sermons and like tried to translate like it what it's who even knows if it if it's what this poor man actually meant <laughs> like do you know what i mean so yeah. i don't want to take my name off of that yeah <laughs> i don't even like want to like i i don't i'd love to go back and read it and just like see how i feel Have about your it. mind be blown yeah, yeah but it i mean it it is really clear of like if you don't do these things then you know, or if you do these things then. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, just being in that culture where that was so pervasive, I didn't even know to say no was not an option for me. Right, right, yeah. Because that would be disobedience. Yeah. Because God had clearly put Bon Guava in our lives to bless us at that moment, and mm-hmm. I would have been rejecting God's blessing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so anyway, that time period ago, whatever the time period is, uh, you know, we were kind of on the forefront of the Me Too movement and, you know, this kind of resurgence of feminism and women owning their voices and taking agency over, 
you know, their their bodies, their minds, their souls. And so it's it, it I recognize that in current day to go back and to question why we didn't use the voices that we've worked so hard to use mm-hmm. is frustrating. Mm-hmm. But also know that five, six, seven, eight years ago, the time was different. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. that not that you weren't using your voices, but well, I don't think we would have felt as empowered to do so because it wasn't really being talked about as prevalently. And as it is in this today. specific sphere, mm-hmm. like while the Me Too movement was and is still going on in culture, mm-hmm. that's n- not trickling down to the church, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. And if, okay, if he was physically or sexually abusing us, we would have stood up for each other and uh-huh. said no. We would have said, hey, stop yeah. that. Quit touching yeah. her. Let's get out of here. <laughs> We're gone. But yeah. because it was spiritual abuse, we didn't have the context clues to mm-hmm. to stand up for ourselves because we were hopeful that we were either being led to a moment with God or that right. he was going to impart something on us. But you know, I still can't get over, you know, my thought process of just let him do what he wants and get it over with and then he can leave here. Mm-hmm. But what does that sound like? Right. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. And A survival technique for mm-hmm. sure. I wanted to read this real quick Yeah, because it's similar to what you both are saying, but it says some abuse is spiritual abuse because it invokes divine authority in order to manipulate people into performing behaviors which meet the needs of the abuser. Mm-hmm. So it says, example, if I'm anxious in my relationship with God and I think that success, in quotes, it, in evangelistic activities will solve that problem, then I might try to get someone to convert so that I feel less anxious. Mm-hmm. The, this using of someone else's spiritual life to meet my spiritual needs is uncomfortably analogous to someone who uses another person's sexuality to meet their own needs. The latter is sexual abuse. The former is spiritual abuse. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not that far, far off. Obviously different right, right, things right, are right. involved. Yes. The, the root, the motive is all the same. Mm-hmm. It's just different need met by different actions but it's it's coming from the same seed mm-hmm. so i do want to kind of end here um in the days that followed we went back to our point of contact with this business mm-hmm. um, it, she was a female she was an employee of this company locally and we did commit to some kind of short-term partnerships with them i know you guys are thinking why in the hell did y'all do that well because he was leaving right he was he he lived out of town he was with the executive crew we were here with the local um the local staff that Mm -hmm. we did have a relationship with and so we continued our local partnership here with this entity but we went back to our partner to our local contact i don't remember her name it's irrelevant but we basically said told her the story and said hey here's i remember where we were in my car in your car in the parking lot tiny little office it was almost like a little oh yeah yeah. a little trailer set up we had two meetings about it okay Mm -hmm. yeah because one was in the car when then she go ahead yeah and we told her what happened and she said he did that to me Mm mm-hmm and I think he did it to another employee. And she begged us to write a letter. 
She said that he has had brainwashed the CEO. He was warm tongue from Lord of the Rings. Uh-huh. And that no one was really able to let the CEO know what was going on, but that he had made at least two other female employees, employees cry and uncomfortable and the same technique the same and a male there was a male who was her yep, employee that was mm-hmm. her co-worker that was also extremely uncomfortable and she begged us to write an email and to send a letter and we never did i don't know why we didn't i think I think we reasoned our way out of it. Yeah. Right. That that is every time I've looked back and said I should have done XYZ, I reasoned my way out of why it wasn't a good idea. Mm-hmm. You I get you move away from the incident and you start to go, Well, it wasn't that bad. You start justifying it. Like yeah. I'm fine it. now. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm okay. I'm okay I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think just like with any opportunity that anyone has to speak up or speak out you're always weighing the cost of whatever your words mm-hmm. would be. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know if at the time we thought it might be exposing to someone else mm-hmm. or it might feel dishonoring to someone else. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the, what the fear was, you know, but I, I, don't I think in, in typically in our thought process and with most people, you are evaluating a, a risk reward. Mm hmm kind of scale I remember thinking I didn't know if I would be able because I think we all knew that I would be the one to write the email and I don't think I knew if I had the time or the ability to write the entire story Mm -hmm. out in a way that would make sense and maybe it just felt like emotional work that I didn't want to commit to Uh because it was just like done and be done with it or even at the time felt like wasted effort yeah you know yeah what's this gonna do and I'm, and I'm saying these things kind of in a hyperbolous way that I think a lot of the thought process mm-hmm. for people is, well, what good would it do right. for me to say something? Right. What's it going to change? I know it wasn't along the lines of like, oh, well, what if they terminate their partnership? No, it, was it wasn't that. never that because we knew it wasn't going to be anything long term by that point. Mm-hmm. But I've well, looked, you know, I've looked him up since I'm, then. He's still doing what he is doing. Oh, he is. Mm-hmm. Well, or at least he's according still to life, LinkedIn. Life coach. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's still living. <laughs> still, <laughs> still lifing, life coaching. He's still having conversations with people. And I want to say, those of you who are listening, you know, I, I don't know if you've already observed, but, you know, when we started our business, everything that has happened to Catherine and Emily and myself, both personally, professionally, and yes, spiritually, has in some way, shape, or form shaped the way that we not only do our business, but the way that we build community, the way that we choose to love people. And, you know, I've heard before, you can look at it two ways, like, oh, you're you're doing this out of a place of wounding. Okay. Uh, but I've also mm-hmm. heard that when you process your pain enough and healthily and holistically, that pain can become your life's passion and purpose. And I think that collectively the three of us have experienced pain points or pain Mm -hmm. in the area of best intentions, Mm -hmm. salvation, spirituality, religion. And we will always 
we will always moving forward. Catherine's showing us a picture of Bon Guava. There's a dis- and with the b- the with boss the president. Oh, mm-hmm. still together or is that old? This is old. Okay. Um, we will always <laughs> two peas in a pod. Make sure that the decisions that we make to connect with people are free of strings, uh-huh. right? Are free of yeah, are, are free of any expectation of like, you have to do this in order to be part of this. It's like you at Refit, you have access to community because you're alive, you have a heartbeat and you're breathing period. Mm-hmm. And so in response to people who have over the years said, oh, I wish she were more Christian. I think we are amazingly Christian. Mm-hmm. I think we are loving and it may not look like or have the techniques, techniques, the old techniques. <laughs> we might not have the techniques, the twiddles or the diddles. Yeah. Or the techniques that are commonly used. But when I put my head on my pillow at night, I know that we love people well. And I know that some of those people are going to see Jesus in what we do, whether or not we've used Christian music or prayed the prayer of salvation or whatever. Well, yeah, yeah I I was going to say that it is the desire is not different. Mm-hmm. We haven't lost our desire for people to come into relationship with Jesus and be transformed by a relationship with him. I actually think that in the absence of spiritual abuse, you are actually giving room for the power of God. Mm-hmm. And that whenever man is the one trying to constantly be the intercede and the, you know, the interceptor, it is putting God in such a small box Box. that their intention is to always point, always direct, look at, here's how you can receive the blessing. And it is minimizing what God's actually capable of doing Mm -hmm. by putting him in a, in a rule list of do this, then that. Yeah. And so I now, yeah, don't have any. Can I ask y'all what you feel like you learned from that situation? Because to your point, Angela, I don't think we're sharing this from wounding. I think we've processed it. Mm -hmm. I have to go to therapy for it. Um, But yeah, what did you learn? I mean, I know what I would have wish I would have done differently. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I wish I would have stood up for y'all and stood up for those employees. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, outside of that, what, what is something that you like something good or just something, something good, frustrating, something you're taking with you from that? I think something I have, I learned from that experience is I have to be careful who I give my spiritual authority to. And it's okay to question that my my lack of spiritual formation as a child through my teenagers, teenager years doesn't preclude me from being a part of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to prove. And I think any culture, community, any church movement that makes me feel less than because I'm not ringing the bell or getting in the box or doing the <laughs> things or that I can't pinpoint my date of salvation or requires a baptism that I don't actually personally 
want just to become a member of your church or mm. anything else that I have agency to mm. make those decisions. And, and not only that, but my true spiritual authority is God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, I think he looks down on three girls that he loves very much. Mm-hmm. We're not even down. He doesn't look down. He looks across the table <laughs> at three girls that he loves with his whole heart. Mm-hmm. And that is not dependent upon how many times we go to church, how many times we gave our life to him. He sees what we're, do- we're doing and he's really, really proud. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what about you? Um, I think what I learned, or at least what was reiterated, was that... Um, God can handle my questions. Um, I think when I was left with more questions about my life, it indirectly gave me the opportunity to ask those questions to God. I wasn't going to go back to Guava, you know, (laughs) and say, hey, can you actually, since you didn't provide any answers for me, thank you, because now all the questions that you left in my head I'm actually going to take them to the only place mm-hmm. that I've ever asked these eternal life weight bearing questions to. And I was answered with the truth mm-hmm. that was able to then highlight the lies mm-hmm. that he spoke over me. And so hindsight, I've actually walked away with more clarity, more confirmation, more security in my marriage and my relationship with y'all now even experiencing y'all's conversations the way I'm able to approach my parenting I mean Mm -hmm. everything that he wanted to bring caution and warning and um death to Mm -hmm. I've actually been able to receive light and life Mm -hmm. from by eliminating his source and going to Hmm. my source. And I don't know if this is a direct correlation, but Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, your story, you're in Tommy's story, his test, Tommy's testimony, you know, it's something that you actually share a very celebratory, you know, it's a testament to how God moves Mm -hmm. in everybody's life, even if it's later in life. And I, I don't know if it was that moment with, with Bon, Mm -hmm. um, that, you decided to reframe even the way that you had formerly told the story, uh-huh. not from a place of shame or embarrassment, yeah, but like making the commitment to honor your husband's journey, yes, um, and what God did in his life mm-hmm. that continues to be done right. in his life, so. right? Mm-hmm. Cappy, and then you close this. Well, down. I will pray. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think in that season I was learning so much Mm -hmm. of like unraveling Uh a really tangly necklace, you know, like Mm -hmm. when your necklace gets like 64 Mm -hmm. tiny knots in it. Uh Um, I think I've learned a lot (laughs) since then. Um, I, I have gone through the shadow of the Valley of bitterness Mm. I've come out on the other side um, and I've am more aware of p- 
people that are in vulnerable spiritual positions Mm -hmm. as a result um i'm yeah i think i'm you know it's like i that jesus um it's like that jesus (laughs) it's like in the bible it says to be wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove Mm -hmm. and that's that's where i want to stay and that's hard Mm -hmm. because that you could i could look at that situation as a loss of innocence and i could say i'm you know from here on out mm-hmm. i'm going to have my fist raised in the air and burn every bra and be upset and and yell from the rooftops or or not i could it's that balance mm-hmm. of being open minded but cautious yeah and open-hearted and open-hearted but guarded Mm -hmm. you know it's like always like one or the other Mm -hmm. yeah but i i think i'm learning to to embrace embrace both Mm -hmm. and so yeah what did i say recently i said you're like the harriet tubman that Mm -hmm. is leading people to spiritual freedom like but (laughs) underground because you're getting a lot of people that are messaging you mm-hmm. about questions, um, experiences. I think what you specifically, having come from the inside of a pretty thick church culture, spiritual culture, um, is resonating with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, you're not like fist raised to the air and like shouting while you're twirling your bra around. But I think you are leading people to places of greater wisdom and understanding Mm -hmm. and yeah through through your shared pain i don't know why i'm just saying you i mean because i know we we all are (laughs) yeah and it looks different on each of us but thank you um so i would like to close with prayer okay i'm just kidding oh (laughs) i mean i was right here for it (laughs) actually okay i'll I'll, i actually have been thinking about this can i pray pray yeah of course you can you can close your eyes it's say a prayer um a prayer saint francis Oh. oh, it's like a prayer. Oh, like you didn't write no. it. So you can close your eyes though. Okay. okay. Should I read it? I think I have it memorized. I do it from memory. Okay. I can tell when you read things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the worst. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. All right. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, and to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive It is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen.